Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today interview series. We feel lucky to be able to talk to so many smart, passionate, and knowledgeable people in healthcare. Now, we're taking our favorite interviews and sharing them with you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy perspectives on the world of health IT. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare ID Today. We're excited to bring you another in our series of interviews with top leaders in healthcare IT. And today's guest is Lawrence Gerard. He's founder and CEO at Fruit Street. Welcome, Lawrence. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for those that aren't familiar with you, tell us a little bit about yourself and Fruit Street. Well, I was originally planning to go to medical school. And then when I was in college, I was volunteering in my local emergency room while taking a nutrition epidemiology course. And I realized that almost no one does those two things at the same time. You just start to realize that a lot of the people coming into the emergency room have diabetes, heart disease, stroke, all these issues that are often preventable through diet and lifestyle. So I became very interested in public health. And then I became interested in telemedicine because I was volunteering for an education nonprofit that provided free online tutoring through video conferencing for K through 12 students. And so I got interested in telemedicine, uh, but then ultimately became interested in technology and entrepreneurship and applying that to having a social impact in healthcare. And so just went more down the the public health route. Um, But what Fruit Street does is we have a diabetes prevention program that's delivered through telehealth and live group video conferencing on Zoom with registered dietitians. It's designed to impact the one in three adults that have prediabetes, which means they have elevated blood glucose and they have a high risk for developing um, type two diabetes, but nine out of 10 people with prediabetes don't know that they have it. And so it's a big problem. Yeah. Uh, the issue with prediabetes is that if people develop type two diabetes, they can all have all these different health complications, amputation, blindness, dialysis, heart disease. And that's not good for the patient, but it also ultimately drives healthcare costs. People with type two can have $9,600 more of cost per year. And so Medicare became interested in this and they spent $175 million on a clinical trial where they wanted to figure out how to prevent people with prediabetes from developing type two. And so they enrolled 3000 patients with prediabetes into a clinical trial and they had three different arms in the trial. There was Mm -hmm. a placebo arm. Another one took the drug metformin and the third was in a lifestyle intervention that consisted of 22 classes with a lifestyle coach covering topics like diet, exercise, sleep, stress management. The participants would write down what they ate, how much they exercised, and they would weigh themselves in an attempt to lose five to 7% of their weight. And what they found was that the lifestyle intervention was more effective than metformin in preventing type two diabetes. Yeah, the uh, lifestyle group reduced their risk by 58%. And then patients over the age of 60, they reduced their risk by 71%. And that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine. They did 10 years of follow-up research. 10 years later, the lifestyle group still had lower rates of diabetes than the uh, placebo. And so this research led to Medicare and Medicaid paying for the program, as well as the CDC developing a national public health program where there's now 1,600 organizations delivering the program. Most of them are in-person programs, but the way we deliver it is through telehealth and live group video conferencing on Zoom with registered dietitians. So if you could imagine one dietitian and 30 participants video conferencing on Zoom from either their computer or the Fruit Street mobile app, that's how we deliver the program. And then we also issue them a wireless scale and a Fitbit so they can track their weight loss progress and physical activity. And then they can also take pictures of their food in our mobile app and get feedback from the dietitian. And so that's how we deliver the program. It's a very impactful preventive healthcare service. Yeah. Well, that's a great overview. And uh, 
I personally love the topic because I'm probably in that nine of 10 pre-diabetes <laughs> and, yeah. and my friend actually literally, uh, you know, a good friend of mine uh, got his leg amputated because of it. So, mm. I mean, I, I'm, I'm you know, it's just, it's amazing the impact of diabetes on, on so many health issues, but, you know, as you look at that, like, can we really prevent diabetes? That That's my question, <laughs> you know, like, and, and how do you look at that? I mean, cause that's quite a claim, right. To say prevent diabetes. We definitely can. And that's what that Medicare funded clinical trial proved that you can prevent and reverse prediabetes. Um, and even if you don't prevent diabetes, you can delay it as well. Um, so prediabetes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And um, with prediabetes, it's typically one way we define it is an A1C between 5.7 and 6.3. And so we're now integrating with labs like Quest where someone could get an A1C test done when they sign up. And by the end of the 12 month program, you could see someone with a, a 6.0 um, A1C go back to a five. I mean, that happens all the time in diabetes prevention programs. And so most of it really is uh, diet and lifestyle and not genetics. Um, and so it's absolutely preventable through um, diet and lifestyle. And you just have to um, really make the make the diet and lifestyle changes necessary to to prevent type two diabetes. But it definitely is preventable, and that's what the research showed that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine. Yeah. So, what is the key? Is it? I mean, obviously, lifestyle changes is the key. But what's the key to your program helping people to be able to do that? To you know, then of course have the downstream of effect of impacting diabetes risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot of people that know that an apple is healthier than a candy bar. And so that's not necessarily um, what our program is about. It's about getting coaching and social support. And so when you sign up for the program, you're with a dietitian and a group of 30 participants that are all working towards their health goals together. It's almost like a virtual community and support group. So there's 26 classes over the course of a year where each class is one hour long and every class covers a different curriculum topic. So it could be diet, exercise, sleep, stress management, grocery shopping, cooking, dealing with emotional triggers for bad food choices. And so the dietitian will share some PowerPoint slides and some content, but it's really more of a a group discussion where every week um, the dietitian is facilitating a group discussion where we're talking about, you know, how can we um, improve our health this week? What are we, what are the goals that we're going to set for ourselves? And we find that one of the most powerful parts of the program is the social support that you get from other people in the program. You have these weekly Zoom meetings, but then you're also in a a chat group in the mobile app as well, where you're getting encouragement and support from each other as well. And it's really that um, social support that drives people's motivation and behavior change. And the other part of it is using digital tools like a wireless scale. Weighing yourself every day has been shown to make people uh, more conscious of their, their weight and to have better weight loss outcomes. You're also using a Fitbit to track physical activity. The recommendation in this program is 150 minutes of moderate physical activity per week, and then taking pictures of your food and locking your diet um, as well, where we encourage people to do things like have four to five servings of fruits and vegetables per day. The average American only has maybe one to two, for example. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is common sense things. Stop drinking soda and drink water, for example, right? there's a lot of people when they look at diets, they, they start to get into these um, obsessions with things like the ketogenic diet or mm-hmm. um, counting calories, which can is important, but it, it's more about making a holistic lifestyle change. It's not just about you know, a point system or counting calories. It's about diet, exercise, sleep, stress management. So you're making a permanent and long-term lifestyle change rather than trying to 
severely restrict calories for a period of 12 weeks or something like that. So it's, it's more about teaching people how to make a long-term healthy lifestyle change. And is that what the group's about? I mean, do you have a, I assume a curriculum or is it peer sharing or, you know, what's the dynamics of the community? And I I mean, I guess, is it about accountability with the group? Like what's the key dynamics there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the curriculum is a CDC developed and managed curriculum called Prevent T2. And so we're required to follow the CDC's guidelines and report our outcomes data to them every six months. And so we have what's called full recognition. It means that we're using that curriculum and we're delivering certain clinical outcomes like 5% average weight loss for people that participate for nine months. In terms of the actual groups themselves, uh, for example, one class might start out with talking about cooking, for example, and um, the dietitian would explain you know, here are some, uh, you know, things you should know about cooking, maybe, you know, what oils to use or talking about different, um, you know, dishes that might be helpful and things like the my plate method, method, where it's a certain percentage of your plate is going to come from lean protein and then complex carbs and so forth. But the participants might start sharing with each other things like um, how they fit cooking into their life. And so the dietitian might ask an open-ended question, you know, with all of our busy lives, how do you fit cooking into your life and make time for it? And then participant A might share something with participant B that resonates with them, or they might be sharing recipes with each other, for example. Um, Or in the class on exercise, it it would be another open-ended question. You know, what are some ways that we can um, improve physical activity in our life and fit it into our life? And the participants are learning from each other's experiences rather than the dietitian saying, you know, you must exercise or you must eat this. The dietitians are trained in a technique called motivational interviewing, where Mm -hmm. they help people almost solve their own problems where they're helping them to think about their own personal life rather than just saying, okay, have an apple instead of the candy bar, but how do you actually fit that into your own life? Um, and then I think that participants are sharing success stories about you know, their weight loss or they're feeling better. And it just kind of motivates you to hear other people that um, are achieving their health goals alongside you. So I think there's some of that going on as well. Interesting. So how do you pay for this? Is it a direct to consumer model? Are you working with payers? Is it employers? Or, you know, what, what's your approach to business model? Like how can people get the service? There's several different models. Right now we earn most of our revenue by selling it to self-insured employers and health plans. Okay. Um, and so they would pay us based on a performance-based payment model. Right. For example, they might pay up to $800 per employee based on milestones like the participants signing up. That's when they get a wireless scale attending two classes with the dietitian, that's when they get a Fitbit, attending six classes with the dietitian, that's when many employers will provide a health savings account contribution as an incentive. And then the last milestone is 5% weight loss. And so typically when we work with these large self-insured employers or commercial health plans, we're submitting claims at each of those milestones using the diagnosis code for pre-diabetes, as well as the CPT code for online diabetes prevention. So that's where most of our revenue comes today, employers and health plans but we are expanding into two new channels. In January, we're launching it as a direct-to-consumer product where a consumer could pay a monthly subscription fee or use a health savings account or flexible savings account to pay for the program. And then the third channel is getting physicians to refer their patients because Medicaid will pay for the telehealth delivery of the diabetes prevention program in certain states like Illinois and California, for example. And so we're in the process of becoming a Medicaid provider as well. 
And does that cause some troubles? I mean, or, or do you, how do you work the group? So like, are you in a group with your peers from your same company? Is that good or bad? I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not <laughs> sure uh, if that's something they like or if something they don't want, right? Right. We uh, just mix the participants in with our whole book of business right now. Gotcha. And so they're usually not going to be um, in a, in a class with someone that, that they know. Okay. Interesting. And what are some of those challenges virtually, you know, uh, that you know, you've experienced? Obviously, we've gone through a massive change. I mean, I just think about this interview right here. Six years ago, I may have had to remote into your desktop and teach you how to turn on your webcam. And we both got on without blinking an eye, right? But, uh, you know, how has it been virtually? And have there been some challenges that kind of surprised you or things you had to work through? Yeah, I think that previously with telemedicine, you had bandwidth issues where 20 years ago, it would be very difficult because of just the bandwidth issues. But now technology has become so much more advanced. It's not so much an issue, particularly with Zoom. Um, we were actually using a different video conferencing engine uh, a few years ago, which was not designed well for group video visits. And so now we are using Zoom, which everyone has become so accustomed to during the pandemic. And it's become second nature, which has certainly made it easier for us because Everyone's so familiar with the core of our product, which is which is Zoom. I actually met the uh, CEO of Zoom right before the pandemic, and both his parents had diabetes as well. So I know this is important to him. But um, I think we've become just so familiar with using Zoom that it's kind of made our jobs easier. And then um, Americans have gained so much weight over the course of the pandemic because of you know high stress, staying from home, and not being as active. Stress leading to, to poor eating choices. And so I think that it, now that we're starting to have the pandemic improve in terms of the situation, people are really interested in taking care of their health and losing some of the weight they may have gained during the pandemic. I know I certainly gained some weight as well. Um, but um, now the issue is not so much the technology. It used to be that all of these telemedicine companies would you know, build this complicated software to solve the technology issue. But now the company like Fruit Street is not really selling technology. We're selling healthcare services and clinical outcomes. We employ 175 dietitians that deliver this service. And so it's more of a tech-enabled healthcare service. And the challenge is not so much the technology, but the actual you know, healthcare delivery now and building up a staff of healthcare professionals that are able to deliver a high-quality intervention. And of course, the software helps, but it's not the software is not 100% of the product. It's more about that dietitian delivering the service. Sure. Now that makes sense. I think the other challenge maybe there is the wearables you talked about. Uh, you know, how, how's it been sending those those uh, scales and Fitbits to the uh, to the participants? Uh, you know, has it been a challenge getting them to connect it, or you know, what, what's been your experience using those, and and how does that you know, and, and then maybe let's talk about how it influences the program. Well, one of the issues during the pandemic was that there was a global semiconductor shortage, and so there were supply yeah. chain issues for quite a while. And we had to shift back and forth between different scale vendors. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah. And then some of the scales are set up where all that the participant has to do is put the batteries in and it's connected through a cellular connection. And that's right. very convenient for the participant because, again, they just put the batteries in. Right. Um, but uh, with other scales, it's Bluetooth, which can be challenging for people or a Wi-Fi connection as well. And so we found that the cellular chips are... Uh, the most convenient for the consumer. They're a little bit more expensive. I was going to say, are they worth the cost? That's the that's the key <laughs> question, right? Of course it's better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did run an analysis and it is worth the cost. So, you know, you also want to keep these enterprise clients happy. You don't want to hear, you know, complaints from their employees. You want to make sure. it as easy for them as possible. Um, and so that's that's one of the 
you know, things is the cellular connection just make it much more convenient for people rather than Fitbit and Wi-Fi. Yeah. And then how does it impact? I mean, is it part of that? I mean, I guess if, you know, it sounds like it's every two weeks uh, throughout the year because 26 times for over the year uh, or is every week, but do they check in with that data each week as part of the group uh, program as well? So it's weekly in the beginning and then it goes to bi-weekly and monthly. Okay. Eventually the goal is to get people the 5% weight loss by the six month mark. And then the last okay. month becomes more of maintenance. Um, and uh the classes themselves are more about the actual curriculum right. and the content. Uh, certainly people might share success stories about the way that they've lost, for example, but the, the coaching you receive from the dietitian about your specific diet is often more so happening asynchronously where you're taking a picture of your food and you're getting feedback from your dietitian in the form of a comment or a push notification. And then you're also privately text messaging with, messaging with the dietitian one-on-one, as well as there's a separate group chat as well. And so the weekly classes are not necessarily reviewing the individual data of the 30 people, but talking about that content for the week. So sleep or exercise or stress management, um, as well as setting goals for the week as well. Um, and then a lot of the more individualized coaching happens asynchronously. Mm-hmm. So as you kind of scaled this across, uh, you know, populations, and this is maybe one of the takeaways we've experienced lately too, and, but have you bumped into any cultural considerations that, you know, you had to navigate that maybe surprised you? Yeah. So, um, I mean, this one's not surprising, but we've started to put it in other languages like Spanish okay. as well. But I think the big issue with diabetes prevention programs is that the standard version of them maybe makes somewhat... Um, you know, generic food recommendations, like have, you know, salmon and broccoli, for example, right? Yeah. But there's people from cultures all around the world where that's not how they eat, right? And so if you have somebody with, um, you know, an, an Asian background, or they like Indian food, or they're Jamaican, or whatever it is, mm. right? Um, there's so many different ways people eat throughout the world. And so the standard food pyramid is not what's relevant to them. And so if you actually look, there's, there's dozens of different food pyramids around the world from different cultures. And so one of the things we're working on for this uh, 2022 is to actually implement having dietitians from different cultures and making it a real priority so that you could potentially match people with dietitians that have a similar cultural background so they understand their food preferences, but also to um, make those dietary recommendations uh, relevant to what their specific dietary preferences are. And so we're working with a partner called Diet ID, which is a company started by Dr. David Katz. Uh, where they do a baseline dietary risk assessment and they kind of use pictures of food to ask you, how are you eating today? It's almost like an eye exam. And they ask you a series of questions. Do you eat like this or like that? Like this or like that? And then ultimately they would uh, guide people to some food recommendations based on how they personally would like to eat. And I think that's extremely important because if you're making you know, broad food recommendations to people without realizing what their cultural preferences are in terms of you know, that, the food that they eat, it's just not relevant to them. And so I think that's one of the big challenges of diabetes prevention programs that's often overlooked. Yeah, that's fascinating. So I, my, you know, just as we wrap up, uh, I was thinking about this, like, does this really scale to the problem? I mean, to be fair, there's not enough dietitians and you know, probably. Uh, so, I mean, give me an idea of how this scales, you know, and I imagine the virtual helps with that as well. But, you know, how do you look at it from, you know, obviously diabetes is a huge problem. And how do you, how do you scale your platform to that? It's actually very scalable. And that's because group visits are 
a powerful but overlooked healthcare tool. When you have a group visit, there's 30 people in a group, which makes it 30 times more scalable than a one-on-one -on -one visit, which also means you need 30 times less healthcare providers and it's 30 times more cost-effective. And so if we were to enroll 120,000 people in a year, we would only need 200 dietitians because each dietitian can work with 20 classes of 30 people. So it's 600 people per dietitian. Wow. To enroll 1 million people a year, you would need 1,600 dietitians roughly. To enroll 10 million people a year, you would need 16,000 dietitians, which is, they're there, you know, they're, they're, they're right. available, right? Um, and there's also, um, they don't necessarily have to be a dietitian. Part of the CDC's program is training lay people as health coaches as well. Um, you know, a lot of our customers prefer using registered dietitians, but if you were to ask the CDC, they would say it's okay if other types of healthcare providers or even lay people take this eight hour course um, because evidence shows that that can work as well. Um, and so you could, you could train a, you know, a workforce of 16,000 people and enroll 10 million people with prediabetes a year. And in eight years, you would have enrolled all the Americans with prediabetes. But the challenging part is not so much the coaches because that can be accomplished as I just described. It's uh -huh. the harder part is the marketing of how do you convince sure. people that they're actually going to change their lifestyle and that they should participate. How do you market to people with different cultural backgrounds and and ages and gender and all of those kind of things? So I think the more challenging part is not the supply of coaches, but it's getting people enrolled yeah. into the program. Well, I think that's the challenge of healthcare in general: getting people to care about their health when they feel relatively healthy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't know you're pre-diabetic, right? Until something happens. Same thing with hypertension, you know, as well. A lot of these things, we don't really have symptoms until there's a big problem. Yeah. Well, Lawrence, this was, this was excellent. I, you taught me a lot about uh, how you're approaching uh, diabetes uh, prevention and, and helping uh, a lot of people. So thanks so much for taking the time to share your perspectives about Fruit Street and uh, appreciate everyone for watching. If you want to find more great healthcare IT content like this, be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com. Thanks, Lawrence. Thank you.